Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. I pray, God, that you would help me to communicate for a few moments. And I pray, God, that we would be fed and filled by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's the mercy of God and it's the grace of God that we're sitting here today. It's only by God's grace that we have the ability to serve Him every day. And I was just thinking about how sometimes we can even turn the focus on our own Christian walk and our own Christian disciplines and our own Christian abilities uh, instead of keeping the focus on God and receiving His ability to walk out the Christian life. Amen? It's kind of a, a nifty little trick that the enemy tries to play. Uh, we can just be overly self-involved. Amen? Say that, find somebody. Say, don't be overly self-involved. It's not good. Get away from self. It's a trap. Self is a trap. Amen? Amen. I got one other little nugget for you. God doesn't run his kingdom on our schedule. <laughs> Amen? God doesn't run his, and I'll add an adjective, he doesn't run his kingdom on our busy schedules. Amen? And as we look here in Psalm 40, the psalmist opens up with, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me. It was after that, that the psalmist waited patiently for God that God uh, returned uh, an ear to him because of his patience. And we're in a, in a race that we're learning to run with patience. The Bible says that Abraham, through faith and patience or an endurance, inherited the promises. Amen? I, I've learned about myself a little bit that I like, I like instant results. I like to see things now. And if I'm not seeing what I think I should be seeing, I start looking around and I start looking at myself instead of looking to God and trusting Him to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. My job is focus fear, and trembling, reverence before God, faith in God, trust in God. His job is to work out my salvation. Amen? Amen. So David learned here, I'm not sure if it was David. Yes, it is. <clears throat> the Psalm of David, to wait patiently for God. I was recently thinking about uh, a friend from uh, Teen Challenge that I got to know, and I'm just going to use first names because it's being recorded but I was thinking about my friend Bobby, and he was a, um, a counselor, or maybe you would consider him like an associate pastor at Teen Challenge, and he was kind of with the guys. He was with us down in the barracks, so to speak, in the living quarters. He had his room right with ours, and, you know, he kind of garnered this respect from, from some of us because... He was involved uh, with the, he knew about and was involved to a certain degree with the Philadelphia Mafia uh, and, and different organized crime. And I, I, like I said, I won't say his last name, but he had this really cool last name, you know. And, and Bobby was cool, you know. And I, and I just was, he, one day he walked up to us and we were all sitting around complaining about something. And he began to quote James chapter 1. And he knew it by heart. 
And he began to say, count it all joy when you face diverse testings and diverse trials. Count it all joy. Because it's the testing of your faith that produces what? Patience or endurance. And he looked at us and he said, you guys are going to be blessed. And he said, don't quit. Because people would leave the program regularly. They would leave. They would come They'd stay for a few days, they'd stay for a few weeks, and then things would get hard. God would put his finger on something in someone's life, and they'd say, I'm out of here. They, and it would usually be veiled under an offense. Uh, I'm offended at somebody. Uh, and, and the enemy likes to use that. But I want to remind you that Luke chapter 17 tells us that in these days we're living, offenses are going to come. Stumbling blocks are going to come. And woe to the people that create those stumbling blocks. But Jesus said, you got to be ready for them and you got to get by them. And we can't use offenses and we can't use people as excuses to disobey God. And we can't use offenses and we can't use people to turn our backs on God and to blame God because the offenses are going to come because people are imperfect, even Christian ministers. Amen. Amen. So we were all sitting there, and, and Bobby was reminding us of this, of this scripture, and, um, and I was just thinking about how I had, there was a respect, and, the, and me and my two roommates there uh, kind of developed a relationship with him, and uh, I was one, uh, another one, his name was Damien, he was this uh, kid from Jersey, he was an orphan from Jersey, and he was uh, a middleman, and he, he was running drugs for, for drug dealers, and in the process of being the middleman, he was learning as an orphan to make a little money here and a little money there, but in the process, he got hooked on crack, and he ended up at Teen Challenge. My other roommate was an older guy who was, he was kind of a, uh, a child in a in a man's body, and he, 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 like me, was spoiled as a kid, you know, and he never really learned to take responsibility for his behaviors, and he constantly kept getting into trouble, and I remember one time he got into it with Bobby a little bit. Bobby says, you know, we would go out for work in different, during the day, that was part of our schedule. We'd go out and we'd serve different places, and they put us to work, and he didn't like the assignment he got that day, and, and I'm telling you, I've never seen like a, I think he was maybe 45 years old at the time, I've never seen a grown man pitch a tantrum like that uh, in, a, in a grown man's body. I mean, he absolutely had a fit uh, at 45 years old, and he just pitched a tantrum but we, we were all kind of living together, and, and God brings us in with people that can have an impact on our lives. And he brings us together, and he makes connections with people that can speak into our lives. Uh, and God calls this discipleship. Say amen. Discipleship. I, I was talking with somebody recently, and he said, oh, you know, um, somebody else chimed in the conversation. It's like, oh, you know, he knows the Bible. We were talking about the Bible. Oh, he knows the Bible. You know, he's been to church. Yeah, I know the Bible. I've been to church. Uh, in fact, I like that one preacher, you know, and he mentioned a preacher in, in, in Rome here. And he says, I like to hear him preach. I like to hear him preach. Uh, you know, I've been to church. I know the Bible. And he said, you know, but he says, you know what the problem is? He says, I know it, but I don't do it, you know. Uh, you know, but how many know it's, it, it's important not to just hear the word, but to get involved with somebody that's going to have accountability in our lives. And the Bible says we need to find fathers. We need to find mothers. We need to find people that can speak into our lives. We need to find shepherds. We need to find under-shepherds, people that know us, people that we can communicate with, people that we can see modeling the Christian life and that we can learn from and that we can talk to and that we can call. Amen. 
This is not that. This is hearing God's word uh, in a public address. But the Bible says that we speak to one another with the word of God as well. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We admonish one another with the word of God in more informal settings. So discipleship is one of the things that Jesus taught us. And all of this, uh, I kind of got into a little too early, but the Bible says here in Psalm 40 that David waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined his ear to me and he heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps. You know, when Bobby was talking there, he was talking, he was literally holding on to James chapter 1. He had memorized that verse of scripture and he wouldn't let it go. He said, I, I'm, I'm standing on the rock and I'm standing on the word and I won't let this go. And he told us a story one time, and I don't know if it was literal or a vision, but where the devil was literally trying to pull him off of his bed. And he said, I knew that if I ended up on the ground, I was gone. Because his, in, into his life had come some compromise. And into his life had come some mire. And come some clay. And this can be a picture of sin. Maybe today we've gotten compromised a little bit and gotten into some sin. Mire and, and mud is a picture of, of how that can get on us. God wants to wash that off of us. God wants to cleanse us from any sin that's been brought into our lives. And he said, well, yeah, that's for the, this is for the new book, someone that hasn't heard the gospel. No, we as believers can get tripped up. We can get into mire. We can get into sin. We can get into things that begin to bring our footing onto unstable ground. And God is constantly there waiting for us to come to him and to sit in his presence and to be brought back upon the rock. The rock is Christ Jesus. It's Jesus that is, that is the rock in our lives. And the rock is a place where it's dry. It's a place where it's firm. It's a place where there's sure footing and where we can walk with God in the light of his grace. So God waits for us to come. And he establishes our steps. The Bible says in verse 3, He put a new song in my mouth. It was praise to our God that many will see and fear and will also trust in the Lord. So this song of praise that's in the heart of someone that's walking with God has some fear and some reverence in it. There's trust in God. There's a humility to it. And notice that people are going to see and they're going to have the same response. But I want you to jump with me to uh, to Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord. Psalm 34, verse 1. It's just a few chapters back. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. <clears throat> Notice that it's the humble that hear the song of God and it makes them glad. And this is a humble song to God. This is a song of trust. This is a song that looks to God and not ourselves. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him 
and saved him out of all his troubles. God, you know, the, uh, when Pastor asked me to, um, to take the pulpit for him this weekend, this was an opportunity for me to cry out to God. This was an opportunity for me to realize that in my state, without Christ, you know, we, the Bible says that we can drift. Hebrews chapter 2. Beware, lest any of you drift, the Bible says. And I'm not quoting that correctly. The Bible says we can drift and that we need to take heed. We must therefore give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard, lest we drift away. So there can be this drift that can happen in our lives. The fire can begin to burn, uh, burn out. We can lose our, our zeal. We can lose our passion for God. And most importantly, we can lose our desire for God. And I was reading recently this week by Brother A.W. Tozer. He's gone now with the Lord. But he was talking about rekindling the fire. And he was talking about rekindling a desire for God. And I think if I had to be honest with God and say, God, I have not been desiring you very much lately. I haven't. I've been desiring other things. I'm not interested that right now that much in, in, in opening up the Word of God. I'm not interested that much in prayer right now. I, it's, it's just not a desire for me lately. And it's a good thing. I think Lisa told me that earlier. It's a good thing if that bothers you. If you're not desiring God recently, as much as maybe you used to, or as much, if, if you know in your heart and it's bothering you, that's a good thing. And, that, and we need to come to God and we need to wait in his presence and we need to repent and say, God, I haven't been desiring you. I repent before you. I pray, God, that you would give me that desire for you, that you would give me that desire for your word because I've started to drift and I don't like it. I can feel it. How I many know you can feel when you're starting to drift. You can feel it when that, when that fire's not burning bright. And then we just, unfortunately, I, I, and I'm speaking for myself, continue in the busyness of life without stopping and coming before God and waiting before the Lord and realizing that we are poor without Him. That we are weak without Him. You know, I received a prophetic word one time by uh, Brother Dale Mash. Remember Dale Mash? He hasn't been here in a while. And I, I thought of this, so I'll share it with you. Maybe it applies. He said, you're going to go from gas to nuclear power. God wants you to go from gas power, and there's no hidden message, by the way, in political agenda for energy or anything. <laughs> I promise. But he says, you're gonna go for, you need to go from gas power to nuclear power. And I, don't, I didn't really know what it was. I looked it up. Nuclear power draws its power from the nucleus of the atom. It pulls it right from the source. And God wants us to realize that the source of our life in Christ is Jesus himself. He is the one that's in the Father. And we're brought right into him. And when we're in him, we are dwelling and feeding and living from that source of power. Jesus used the metaphor in John chapter 15 of a branch. And he said, when the branch is not drawing life from the life source, when the branch isn't abiding and living and connected to that life source, it begins to wither and die, literally. So when we are not dwelling in his presence, when we are not one with him and feeding our life source from him, nuclear power, from the cell itself, 
from Jesus himself, we begin literally a slow process of dying. And we get brittle. And we get hard. And we get cranky. And then ultimately, if we're completely separated from the life of God, how many know what happens to branches? They get burned and they end up in the fire. So God wants to remind us that we are indeed poor without him and that what we need to do is begin to cry out to him and look to him. Notice that when this poor man cried out, he looked up. He wasn't looking at himself. He wasn't looking at his environment around him. I, was, I have a few stories to say. I hope you don't mind. Lisa and I have been reading a book by uh, Derek Prince. He wrote a book about his first wife, Lydia. Uh, it's called Appointment in Jerusalem. It's a wonderful book. It's been on our shelf for years. We've never read it. And uh, it's, she tells her story of being an accomplished teacher, uh, principal, writer of curriculum. She was Danish at the time in 1927. She had her own personal maid as a teacher. I like that idea. Boy, I mean, they must have been paying teachers pretty well for her to have her own maid in an apartment by herself there. But anyway, she would come home and her maid would, would have her dinner ready. And she was just an accomplished career woman. And a man came to her and uh, she was expecting him to ask for her hand in marriage. She, they had become very dear to one another over the past 10 years. He asked her to dinner to a special place. And when the time came, she didn't know why. She said no. She said, I don't know what to tell you. She said, There's just something else that I'm missing in my life. I, I don't know what it is. And I, I, I don't know that I can say yes right now. Well, this began to start the process of her realizing that she didn't have the source of life that would bring fulfillment to her life. And she said no. And, and, and after that, she, she just ended up, uh, she said, well, I, there's a Bible in the house. I had to read it for, for my career as a teacher, part of it anyway. And she opened up to the book of Matthew, and she began to read until she came to Matthew 7. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Uh, cry out, and you'll be answered. And, and she said, so that's what I did. And she actually had a vision of Jesus. Uh, Jesus appeared to her. And, and I'm not saying that if you begin to cry out to God that Jesus will appear to you, but he could. There have been testimonies in Iran recently uh, of Jesus just appearing to people that, that were, were praying to him. And I don't even know if, if all the people in Iran were even crying out to him. But God is alive. Jesus is alive. And he is waiting for us to continually, every day, turn to him and look to him and cry out to him and pray to him. Our God answers prayer. Amen. She got on her, on her knees on this green chair, and she, there were divots in the chair from her elbows, and she said she read a book by Amy Simple McPherson, and she learned about this woman in the spirit of prayer praying for 40 hours. She said, I can't pray 40 hours. It's crazy. But she said, I'm going to give it what I got, and I'm going to cry out to God. And he answered her prayer, and he transformed her life. Our God answers prayer. Amen. Our God turns things around when we cry out to him. Amen. Our God rekindles the flame when the flame is going out. Amen. We serve a God that answers prayer if we're willing to humble ourselves. This poor man. See, the humble hear this cry. The, pro the proud can't. Our own pride, our selfishness, our self-dependence keeps us from crying out to God with childlike simple faith. And I was just thinking about, and I'll, I'll just kind of... Thomas, unbelieving Thomas, had one response to Jesus and who he was. 
And he said, Jesus, I want you to show me the Father. That's what I want. There's something in my heart. I've been watching you. I've been listening to you. And, and I, need, I need the Father to be revealed. i got to have him. I can see there, were, there, there are a couple of things that characterize your ministry. Okay, number one, there's something different about you. You're a real humble guy. There's a character. There's just, there's just something about you. When I'm around you, I can see this gentleness. I can see this patience. I can see this truth. You're not worried about yourself. You're worried about other people. He said, secondly, you've got authority, Jesus. You're performing miracles. And your words, by the way, they're not ordinary words. Number three, he said, Jesus, your prayers get answered. Jesus, when he walked the earth, God answered his prayers. Now, I'm not talking about prayer fellowship or prayer for discipline's sake. I'm talking about when you ask God for something, he gives it to you. When you inquire of the Lord, he gives you an answer. And I was just thinking about this. How many times do we really see answered prayer as something that's measurable? Or are we just kind of shooting darts into the wilderness and praying for the sake of praying? Now, we need to pray and fellowship with God. But I believe God wants to stimulate our faith today for answered prayer. Because when Jesus ascended to the Father, he said, listen, whatever you pray in my name, God's going to hear you and God's going to give it to you because I go to my Father. So this is, this is what, what we've heard maybe as a double portion. When Jesus was on the earth, he was receiving answers to prayer. The people around him, when he sent them out two by two, they were receiving answers to prayer because he told them to do it. But he says, listen, when I'm sitting at the right hand of the Father, this is double. I'm your intercessor. I'm your advocate. I'm here for you. And when you pray, you need to know that God hears you. He also had the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. He said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I cast out demons by the finger of God. And finally, he obeyed the Father. So these were the things that Thomas saw in his life that marked him as a man sent by God. But it wasn't enough for him. Jesus said, Thomas, have I been with you so long that you don't realize that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? And that he who has seen me has seen the Father. Furthermore, this is the same relationship you and I are going to have when I go to the Father. I'm going to be in you, and you're going to be in me. And he even said that there would be greater works that would happen because of his position with the Father. So we need to understand the connection that's necessary, the oneness to be with Christ, to receive the source of life and our need for fellowship with the Father. Paul prayed and said that in mourning, there's not many fathers. And I'll go back to my friend Bobby. He was kind of like a father figure for me for a, for a little bit of time there. He was just kind of a counselor or an associate, but he was someone that had a fatherly role. Paul said, I'm mourning. And because of that, and he was talking to the Corinthian church in Corinthians 4, and he said, listen, I'm mourning that there's not many fathers, and I'm going to send Timothy to you because I want him to show you all of my ways in Christ. The Corinthian church had gotten into carnality. Say this with me as I close. Carnality can creep in. 
Carnality creeps. Slowly. It gets into our lives. And this was a church that he was separated from, interestingly. And he was the founding father of this church. And they had sent letters to him. And they said, listen, we got this problem going on. We got people getting drunk at uh, communion. We got people sleeping with this person. There's sexual sin going on. There's divisions. We got people breaking out and, and you know, turning on each other. There's lots of arguing. So well, only the Corinthian church. I mean, come on. We're, we're not like that. Uh, look, we, there are carnalities and imperfections. I'm not saying we're into those things. But they, the, the flesh can pull on us. And what was his answer to that? He said, listen, there's a couple of things I want you to, to think about. I want you to imitate me. And I want you to imitate Barnabas and the other apostles. And I want you to imitate Timothy. I'm sending him to you because he's going to be with you. Modeling is an important part of our Christian life in learning. We have to get around people outside of the sanctuary that we can hang out with. That we can have regular conversation with. I'll never forget uh, the first time pastor invited me over for pizza and wings. I said, man, the pastor likes pizza and wings. Cool. This was years ago, you know. And I thought, well, I better go shopping and bring all this stuff over because that's the pastor after all, you know. And, and he looked at me and he goes, I have like two bags in my hand. He goes, you know, this is my house. What, what, are you, what are you bringing all these groceries over for? I'm inviting you over for pizza and wings. It's my house. I like pizza. I'm a normal person. I eat pizza and chicken wings. I remember the first time I was talking to a friend recently. And he said to me, you know, this whole thing of faith has become clear to you, and it hasn't for me. He said, I understand religion, and I'm not quite there yet. And I said, listen, I know you think that this is weird. I said, but the first time I ever contacted a pastor personally outside of my experience at Teen Challenge, the first thing he did was make fun of me. I got Pastor Nan on the phone. He goes, Oh, you're a winger, huh? You went to Rome Catholic? <laughs> He's a normal person. Are you, are you here? I, you know, I often think, did Jesus like his lamb well done or medium rare? I mean, if he liked it well done, we're going to have to talk to him because he had it wrong when I get to heaven. You know, you can't, you can't spoil a good piece of meat and eat it well done. They didn't have hormones back then, antibiotics. What am I telling you? Jesus was a real person. He had real relationships with other people. He was a father to the people that were with him all the time. This was a mentoring relationship. And I am younger, and I'm still going to go for I really feel like God wa wants all of us to have someone in the church, somebody we can call and have some accountability to. Somebody, and and in pro the lead pastors, absolutely. But maybe other people. Maybe God has called you, to, and God wants to raise you up as a spiritual parent or, a, or someone that can begin to disciple others and bring other people in and begin to help them along. Because this is how we grow. Jesus was so patient with them. Lord, should we send fire on those Samaritans? Peter tried to talk him out of it. He says, listen, you know, don't go to the cross, Lord. That would not be very advantageous for us, politically speaking. Tried to talk him out of it. The woman with the issue at the well. I mean, she was a handful. We can be a handful sometimes. Somebody say amen. And God's patient with us. And God's loving with us. And his, the Bible says in Isaiah 54 that his mercy and his kindness is not going to depart from us. Amen. So Paul was, finally, shepherds. 
shepherds. The Bible says, and I'll close with this, that we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. 1 Peter 2.25 My buddy Damien, my buddy Charles, Bobby, so many of us, the Bible says that we were without hope and lost in the world. We were strangers to the covenants of promise. But you see, we now are found. See, God goes looking at the, law, at the lost and found. He finds the lost, and he brings them found. We have this, this huge table at our school. I work with middle schoolers, and they leave their things everywhere. I mean, it looks like an entire dip, corner of a department at Macy's. There are things everywhere. You want book bags. You want hoodies. You want water bottles. There's all kinds of good stuff there. And I often thought, man, somebody needs to go shopping here. God goes looking at the lost and found, and he finds us. And he brings us home, and he brings us back into the flock where there's the shepherd, where there's care, where there's oversight. And the Bible says I'm looking, he's looking out for us. You know, he's looking out for us. He's watching for our souls. And the Bible says that the people he brings into our lives as ministers, they're watching out for us. They got our back. And God wants us to find and connect with these people and be willing to open up our hearts and bring accountability into our lives so we can grow and get strong and then help others. Amen. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned. Father, we thank you, God, that you turn your heart to us, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you turn and you incline your ear to us, that you answer prayer, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you bring people into our lives that love us that'll be patient with us, that care for us, Father. And we thank you, God, that you never stop with your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.